Hello, everyone, and welcome to That's Not Quite All, folks, a Lean Tunes podcast. I'm your host, Cowboy Mark Hallam, and I'm joined by my side saddle. You know, sometimes in a man's life, you gotta host a podcast. It's me, Clint Jordan, doing a really bad impression. That is a wonderful Marty McFly impression. <laughs> Doc. Uh, yeah, if you haven't, um, if you haven't uh, guessed by uh, by our intro, uh, all of the uh, all of the cartoons in this episode are in fact circus themed. Uh, <laughs> that was great. Thank you. I didn't know Mark was going to be doing the good and the ugly theme, so that that's pretty cool. Uh, no. Now, the three shorts we'll be discussing about are about the Wicca Wicca Wild Wild West. <laughs> Stop. Look, it was a coin flip on if I start the episode with Good, Bad, the Ugly, or Wild Wild West, so... Well, you chose wisely, but I'm glad you still got yes. that in there. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm going to be shaking uh, the whole show. Okay, yeah. Um. All right, so... The three shorts we will be discussing are Buckaroo Bugs, Drip Along Daffy, and Bugs Bunny Rides Again. Right. And, and I think, unlike last time, I think we'll have a much more fun experience with, oh yeah, the, with this one. Yeah, that's what I was saying before we came on. Last time, we were just attacking the entire time, basically. Other than the good shorts in, in Fantastic Island, we were just on offense and just blasting away. And this one will be a little better because I think in terms of quality, and also there's a lot of really cool things to talk about because, and a lot of people forget about this nowadays, but the 19, like from the 30s until the 50s and 60s, the number one genre in all of movies was the Western. Everything that people say about superhero movies now, people said about Westerns then. And oh my God, was it a golden age for the Western Cowboy movies were everywhere back then, and they were really good. You had John Ford. You had John Wayne movies, Gary Cooper movies. You had people who wouldn't usually be in westerns popping up in westerns, like Jimmy Stewart and Clark Gable. Everybody had to jump on this cash cow that was the western, and everybody delivered every time. It's funny, because at my college, there was uh, an option to take a class on the American Western, and I didn't take oh. it because I wanted to take a class on New Hollywood, which was a lot better. Okay. But Westerns are definitely, like, a huge point in film history, because even after their heyday, even after the, the early 60s, you still get a lot of great Westerns. In, like, like, obviously, the, the Spaghetti Western trilogy that Sergio Leone did, which was uh, Fistful of Dollars for a Few Dollars More and Good, the Bad, and the Ugly... Um, you get a lot of contemporary work, like every once in a while somebody will do a really good Western, like Kevin Costner doing Dances with Wolves, or Clint Eastwood doing Unforgiven, or James Mangold doing 310 to Yuma, which I don't like, but I can still appreciate as a Western. It's a great genre, one you can have a lot of fun with, and, um, obviously there are a lot of greats that, that were inspiring, uh, the filmmakers at Warner Brothers in that time. Um, and a lot that would honestly foreshadow upcoming Westerns. Like, there's a lot that feel like it's referencing High Noon in a couple of these, and all three of them were made before High Noon. So, it's it's a very interesting, you know, genre to dissect. And the, fun, the other thing about how you curated this, Mark, is that this isn't like a lot of other recent ones we've done where we, we, we went on a theme and we just so happened to find all three from the same director. Uh, this is an eclectic episode. We get three different Warner Brothers directors doing Western films. And I think that's a really cool standpoint because all three of them can make them really well in this era. Yes, and also the good thing about Westerns is that they have very specific tropes. Yes, we do. So in terms of writing up gags for these cartoons 
you know, it's funny. It's very easy, but they're not easy gags, if that makes any right. sense. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I think. So, let's ride on into the first one. Yeah, let's let's go for the um, the 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 director of the three of these that I have the most qualms with. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, so this is Bob Clampett's Buckaroo Bugs. Mm-hmm. It was released on August 26, 1944. The top single at the time was Bing Crosby's Swinging on a Star. <laughs> Which I'm sure neither of us have heard about, right, Jordan? Have, have you heard no. of the song? Sure. No, <laughs> no, uh, I've never heard that song in my life. Um, I've never covered a movie on another podcast where uh, both the main characters, while doing a robbery, break out into said song um, passionately. Would you like to swing on a star? Carry movies, home and jump. If y'all don't know what I'm referring to, uh, go and listen to um, uh, Vericon Video's Hudson Hawk episode. Um, it's it's a wild movie. <laughs> Good lord. Uh, all right, so this was directed by Bob Clampett, written by Lou Lilly. Hmm. Who... I don't think we've covered before. I don't think we've Lou Lily uh, shorter here before. So Never heard of him. So, some interesting factoids here. This was Leon Schlesinger's final Warner Brothers cartoon oh. as producer before he sold the studio to Warner Brothers. Wow. And this was around the time of the short release, so he still gets a credit. However, um, Schlesinger was still heavily involved with the marketing of the characters until his passing in 1949. Yeah. And also, this was Bugs Bunny's first official Looney Tunes cartoon, which... Yeah, he'd been in Merry Melodies before this, right? Yeah. So, the um, one of the main characters of this, because it, it's, it's Bugs Bunny and it's Red Rider. Yeah, Red Hot Rider. Now, yeah. Red Hot Rider. Now, Red Hot Rider was based off of two things. He The name is based off of Red Rider... It was a comic book strip of that time. Right. And the voice of Red Rider is a <sighs> Red Skeleton uh, parody. Okay, Again. Red Skeleton. Yes. It's one of the many ayup ayup idiot voices that uh, Warner would be um, so fond of in this era. <sighs> they they love their stupid ideas. Um, <clears throat> no, but they're they're fine. So, the cartoon starts with Robert C. Bruce narration, and he's talking about the Old West. You know, this is when things were good, and it was nice and quiet, and then, of course, immediately following that, there's gunshots going off, and the camera's zipping around way too goddamn fast, and everyone's talking a mile a minute, and... Uh, essentially what happened was somebody stole all the carrots from their victory garden. That's the World 40. War II. Victory garden. Yeah, World War II. And the narrator then just goes, who could help them? You know, who could possibly capture this masked bandit, who, this masked marauder? Who could possibly get him? And he's talking, and he's talking, and eventually we get the reveal that it's the Red Hot Rider. Yeah. And, and yeah. A lot of hype. They, they, they really hype up this character who just turns out to be another one of the yup yup dummy characters. <laughs> like a lot of. Yeah. Like, it, it had me for a second because um, already as he's coming in on, on the horse. Um, the, the speed of that is pure clampet and the, the voice that, that Mel Blanc is doing is, is almost a, like a proto Sam sort of whoa kind of thing. And I'm thinking, okay, this is an early Yosemite Sam, the way the character is designed, the red hair, the big nose, this is like prototypical Sam. And then he starts talking regularly and it's just a yet another Lenny from advice and men thing. Like, oh my, we've had so many of these. Do we need so many. another one? No. So... This is our hero. He's the red. He's the 
Red Rider, and pretty much he's looking for the mass marauder, and he says, you know, he's gonna murder him, and there's a very nice pronunciation of the word murder him. Very nice. And then uh, Bugs Bunny uh, pops out of his, uh, his rabbit hole, and he's yeah. like, this is ridiculous. Look at this guy. He's, he, he's the hero, really? Like, okay. So Bugs decides, because he's bored today, he's just gonna mess with this guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, you could you could make the argument that this again, it's it's early prototypical bugs, kind of, because you have to tell people that it stars Bugs Bunny at the opening credits of this. You can tell it's like, okay, we're just getting used to him. This is about four years in. So Bugs just decides he's gonna play the mass marauder, just to fuck with this guy. So no Bugs Bunny, he goes up to Red Hot Rider. Just says, I know, stick him up or blow your brains out. And he's like, well, that's my neighborly of you. And then Bugs again just just plays to the, just says, bang. And and of course, he robs Red Rider of his weaponry and his belt. So the pants fall down. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and then, uh, this actually is a very little bit of animation here because you know oh, yeah. uh, Bugs like pulls Red Rider's hat down, he goes away, and then Red Rider just walks on over to Bugs, who's just leaning on a cactus, dropping on a carrot. It's it's perfect Bugs Bunny animation. If I've ever seen it, it's just great. And he does the um, you know, he does the oh the Mass Marauder. Does he do this? And yeah. Wear a mask and you know, classic you know, Bugs Bunny bit. <laughs> and I love um and then he robs you like this <laughs> and of course it, it, it again steals the belt except this time the underwear is not there oh god it, it, it's, it, it's like a fig leaf that's funny apparently it was funny and it was also like cut out of like uh, reruns because it's like oh he's naked good grief he's naked exactly however um our Acidicate Network did that, while TNT, Cartoon Network, and Boomerang have left it in because it's literally three seconds. It's, yeah, it's, it's nothing. It's really not even... It's really yeah. nothing. By the way, before we go further, how do you feel about Bugs essentially being the aggressor in this one? Because there's really no reason for Bugs to really go after Red Hot Rider in this one. Like, he, he doesn't pose Bugs any harm, essentially. Bugs is literally just messing with him because he can. How do you feel about that? Well, it's not... It's not that much in character with him. I... I don't You know what this cartoon forgot to include? Because what? essentially what Red Rider is, he's a dumb hunter trope, right? Mm-hmm. They forgot... I think they just forgot to put something in there where it's like, oh, Red... Like, Red Rider should probably, like, do something to Bugs or something. Yeah. Like, maybe ask him, hey, do you know where the Mass Marauder is? Why well, has a gun aimed at him because he's stupid? But, right. nope, nope, Bugs just decides to mess with him for no good reason. Essentially. Which, yeah. if this cartoon was lesser than, I maybe would have a bigger problem with it. Yeah. But the speed with this cartoon, of which this cartoon goes and what happens in it, it kind of has me forgive it. Because, like, uh, it's like we're giving up, like, characterization for really good gag work. So it's like, well, I'm entertained. Yeah, exactly. I feel worse about it if this was a worse cartoon. And also, the way Bugs moves in this one and just the quick movements that he has throughout and also just the way he's drawn is is really cool. So that's where I think... Bob Clampett works because a lot of the animation is is just quick enough and just manic enough and stylized enough to really charm me. Even while it this one takes a a bit to really get going for me. Yeah, yeah, same, same. It doesn't get very really going. So, so Bugs robs him again, yes. and then there's this great bit because. Um, Bugs is like, you know, okay, well, I have to catch this by 15. 
Then he runs off, and off screen you just hear a train robbery going on. <laughs> and then we just cut to Bugs being at the controls of all these sound effects, and he's just doing everything. And it's a great visual gag. It's a great visual gag. It's a great sound effects gag. The animation is fantastic. It's just complete loony stuff. It's, it's really good. And, and then, of course, um, Bugs runs back out to the Red Rider holding, like, a bunch of necessities, just saying, hey, the Masked Marauder, he got away. Like, where'd it go? He went that away. And the Red Rider just, we think he jumped on his horse and say, okay, go, go, get up. And it turns out that he's actually been sitting on a pole, on, like, a pole. <laughs> and the horse just That's went great. off without him. I, I love the horse in this. Yes, yes. The I think that it gave Craig McCracken some ideas. Yeah, just the, the horse, he just comes back and he like, with his fingers like in that winning position, like, come on. And just great horse lapstick up. He punches Red Rider. He, he goes on all fours, uh, the horse. He puts glue on himself, which don't think too hard about that because like a, a horse putting glue onto itself is a whole circle of... <laughs> Hilarity. And he just sticks Red Rider on him to go get him. And <laughs> so, so, so they rides off. This is where Bugs trips the horse. Right. I love the music here where Bugs trips him and the horse as it just sort of like it's 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 triumphant music that just sort of dies down and, and, and just dies off as he trips him. This is well done from Carl Stalling. Yeah, and then there's, um, and then as soon as they're knocked out, Bugs comes back in a uh, messenger's, like old man messenger outfit. Oh, yeah. I love it. Just to give Red Rider a message. And, and, and of course, uh, I, I, I do the detail of like, which one you is Red Rider? Red Rider just pointing to the horse, just saying, oh, <laughs> no, it's, a, it, it's me. It's me. Yeah, he forgot who he was. So then he reads the letter. And it just says, uh, roses are red, violets are pink, something, something, something. But you sure. And then it's censored. So Ryder just uh, says, like what? To which there's a glorious Mel Blank yell as he says, Stink, you fool, stink! Which I love. Yeah. Yeah, put that in because I'm not going to do it. It's fantastic. So the last gag here. Is a gag that's also in a Little Red Riding Rabbit. Okay. Where um, so in Little Red Riding Rabbit, there's a scene where Bugs is messing with the wolf by whistling over to see where uh, where uh, yeah. Little Red is. And a similar gag happens here. And what's funny is that both of them were in 1944. However, Little Red Riding Rabbit was in January. Right. While this, this one was, was later. in August. So right. it's possible that, that these are both being written at the same time, hence the same joke. So it's different because it's not like it's not like a go in here. It's more like a jump over this and then jump over this progressively larger cliff, and then he has to jump over the Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon. <laughs> That's great. So Red Rider and the horse land into the ground, and it's just blackness. It just hear him say, "You know what? I think that was the Mass Marauder." And then bugs gloriously animated jumps up like that's correct you won congratulations he kisses him and he blows out the candle and we just end we just end with that we just end with pure <laughs> insanity or not bugs and parts so good yeah. <sighs> and it, 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 it the ending is, is is much like the rest of this because it's wild and it's very much Clamp it energy, but it still works. This short is certainly more fun than I remember it being. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the great speed of animation. There's a joke a minute. Lovely sight gags. It does take a little bit of time to get going, but all around, yeah. a, a really good short. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I was high, as high on it as you were, mostly because the, 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 the first couple minutes and the umpteenth, a yup dumb character voice uh, sort of distracted me. But like, I mean, the gags and character stuff were simple, but the way they were carried out and the speed of the animation and the clampitness of it all, if that is a word, really got to me. And the energy, the music, bugs, the horse, so many elements of this cartoon really impressed me. And 
I like it more than I probably should, but I really enjoyed it, especially just with the the, the last couple minutes of this. Yeah, so uh, I'm gonna give this a four point five out of five vandals. All right, I'm I'm only giving it a three point five out of five, but I still enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah, the, the the rare cartoon that Mark likes more than me. Usually, it's the other way around. Yeah, usually around. But yeah, no, I still like this one. Just you know, the 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 uh, yup stuff sort of pissed me off a little. Okay. So that was more of a general sort of, I feel like as we go on, the Western tropes of these cartoons are going to get more and more specific. And, and so the one we just covered was a very general, like, you know, somebody's got to save the day kind of plot. This one that we're doing now is a bit more of a stereotypical lawless town and one sheriff has to save the day kind of deal. And... The only way this can work while also being a Warner Brothers cartoon is that it has to start Daffy Duck. Um, <laughs> so, because it, it, you know, he can't save the day. Unless it's Bugs and he saves it, like, you know, chaotically. It has to be a complete failure to save the day. And that's why Drip Along Daffy works. Not to spoil my opinion on it, but it works. Um, so... Dribble Long Daffy, um, this was an early 50s one. This was released on November 17th, 1951. Um, there's a pretty cool on this day, um, person born on this day. Um, Mark, who's the best character in Office Space? That would have to be uh, Red Sapler, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was born on this day. Stephen Root. Um, yes, yes. Mil who played Milton in Office Space. Uh, he's one of those character actors that has been in a million things and has always been really good at them. Right now, he's um, a supporting character on the wonderful HBO uh, show Barry. Um, he's one of the many great supporting players on that show. Um, he was also in Dodgeball as the sort of cowardly um, but friendly older older fellow on the um, on the Average Joe's team. Uh, he did an arc on Pushing Daisies that he was really good at. He's a favorite of the Coen brothers. He was in Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Um, he is one of the best kinds of character actors because he's good at so many things. He can do dramatic work, comedic work, pretty much anything, and will always be really good. So yeah, he was born on this day in 1951 uh, in theaters at the time. Um, two excellent movies. The Day of the Earth Stood Still, directed by Robert Wise, and A Streetcar Named Desire with you know Vivian uh -huh. Lee and Marlon Brando. So, really good movies in theaters at this point. Okay, Drip Along Daffy, I think, was meant to be a parody of the traditional Western as it was in the early 50s. We're going to talk about how it was in, like, the late 40s, because, honestly, it goes a bit further in the next three years, because where we are at the sort of John Ford era of the late 40s progresses to the point where we get to High Noon and The Searchers and some of the 50s. Or Man, Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, or some of the 50s um, westerns. And so this is more of a traditional, strong stock character piece based on those. Before I get into the cartoon, it's interesting to note that this cartoon, Drip Along Daffy, was featured in a scene in the movie JFK, directed by Oliver Stone, where they're at, they're at the dinner table in... Um, uh, Kevin Costner's character, his family, and the kid is watching the television and this cartoon is being shown. So um, I'm glad that Oliver Stone had good taste in Looney Tunes. That's good to know. This is a Chuck Jones cartoon. Michael Maltese wrote it. This is our Chuck Jones cartoon of the three, and the very quick gag mentality in order to set up a theme is very much Chuck Jones and Mark Michael Maltese. All right, getting into Drip Along Daffy. One of the first things you realize, you recognize about this cartoon is that um, that there's an original song that was made for it that's sung by Porky Pig over the credits. He's stuttering and playing the guitar through the song The Flower of Gower Gulch, which is a charming little number. Um, and as we wrap up the credits and get into the actual cartoon, we see that the stock characters and settings are made very clear to us over this. Daffy is subtitled Western-type hero, and Porky, with slight facial stubble, which which amused me, is billed as comic relief. And then we get the shot of the town, which is labeled as, I think, like, lawless western village or something like that. 
And so basically it's telling us, okay, all of the, <laughs> all of the um, tropes that you know from the Westerns are definitely here, but we're going to screw with them a little. So that's funny. And so we get a good minute. We get a good minute of just basically exploring this lawless town and just having jokes on the fact that there's now no sheriff. Because again, um, there's a good sign gag to start it here where the population of the town is turns from 350 to 349 a single gunshot as well as the drop down of Sheriff Wanted as well as this, this, the, uh, the cemetery where the popula population, hundreds of thousands of sheriffs, gets up one. Um, that's a great gag. And um, basically the gags here are just basically telling us that literally no law is policed here and everything is up for grabs and all these people are being robbed. And like there's a, there's a cowboy riding a, uh, robbing a custard, literally it's called Custard's Last Stand, which is a wonderful pun. Even the horse is stealing horseshoes. Even the mannequins are robbing each other. There are so many the great guys. The horses gags. are shooting at each other. The horses are quarreling with each other. There's a one of two um, stoplight gags in the cartoons we're covering today. Mel Brooks, you better lawyer up, buddy. Um, uh, the guy falls onto a stretcher and is carried right into a mortuary. These are all just very quick gags that don't even need Daffy Duck or Porky Pig or even Nasty Canasta to sort of bolster them. And I like that we can get so many of those right off the bat. Okay, so... Daffy gets into town. And he immediately sticks them up. He immediately yeah. wants to come into town and clean up entirely. Yeah. He wants to clean up this town. That's the whole thing. And I do love how, as he comes, it comes into the saloon, his proclamation and sticking up is literally timed right to the, to the piano music. With just a speed gun, tear up that mortgage, unhands that rancher's daughter, see such, Like, th that's great. I love that. And literally, the, the, the joke here is that, you know, he sticks up his guns and he takes his pants with him. And so he literally has to go, you know, seems, seems awfully breezy in here. Then he realizes and goes, and this is a great line that should be used in other, um, in other places, I think. A slight pause whilst I adjust my accoutrement. That is a great line. And the whole thing here is that as Daffy establishes his bravado that he's going to arrest all of the bandits, all of the bandits and people in the saloon just ignore him. Even as Daffy says, anyone for tennis? Which, 1951, he was saying that a lot. <laughs> okay, and then, you know, a gun is fired after Daffy, you know, he establishes his dominance, and he establishes his dominance, that is, and he immediately asks for like a milkshake with a yogurt, with a chaser of yogurt, which is the least manly thing you can get at a bar. Even, even, even the bartender's like, you serious? And... After that, like literally, a, a gunfire shoots it out of his hand, and we—I love this shot of Nasty Canasta standing in front of his profile in the wanted poster and moving, and, and the, the wanted poster is the exact same pose. I love how Jones animates that, as well as how Canasta moves with his legs sort of kicking back feebly as he walks and sort of slunks forward. I love that. That's yeah. a great movement thing. And I love how um on the. Wanted board to know he's wanted. There's a five million dollar award from dead. Yeah, but also says that he's a square dance caller. He Can does you imagine that, that man square calling time. square dances. I said, take your partner. Uh, <laughs> as as Daffy pulls a gun on him, Nasty Canasta just chomps half of it and swallows it. And I love Daffy's <laughs> rationalization of probably didn't have his iron today. Uh, and then this is the bit that I know that like there's so many great bits of this cartoon. But the line that most impressed me and most cracked me up was Daffy, um, you know, really propositioning Nasty Canasta and going, I would like, I would like, I would like a trip to Europe. Such a funny line. Such a funny line. Oh, my God. It's just, it's. Uh. Yeah, it feels real. That's the thing. They, yeah. they feel like real people in those little quirks and situations. You know, it just. It just makes them feel more real, right. you know? Uh, I love the shot of the cabinet of stuff that is, is, is the, the stuff, the cabinet of stuff used in Canasta's usual, which is, oh God, I love these, hydrogen bitters, old panther, 
cobra fang juice. Which I think the exact same Cobra Fang juice was in Paul Rudd's cologne in uh, Anchorman. I was literally... (laughs) 60% of the time, it works every time. (laughs) I had that next. We are in sync, man. Uh, No, we're not. I'm not Justin Timberlake. You're not uh, not, uh, Joey Fatone. (laughs) Joey Fatone wishes he was me. Um, and then, of course, you know, another gag, you know, demonstrating the potentness of this drink is the bartender puts ice cubes in it and the ice cubes jump out of the glass. And, ice cubes? No, like the ice cubes it. jump out of the glass and into a bucket of fire. Who has a bucket of fire? Is that a thing you can have? Normally, when I have something that's on fire, it's not in a bucket. <laughs> uh. Maybe it's for uh, firefighters, you know. <laughs> no, they're trying training. to put out the to... fires, Mark. <laughs> not cause them. Quick, there's not enough fire. Throw some fire on it. <laughs> I have, I, I, I have cousins who are firefighters. I, I need to stress that. We like firefighters. They're good. Yeah, for the firemen. <laughs> I and then of course you know because Canasta drinks this and has, it has no effect on him, so Daffy gives it to Porky. Initially, it has no effect on him. Then Daffy now wants one, dr- get, get, drinks it down, has a huge like oh my god reaction, and then we pan over to Porky and he has the exact same reaction. They're both reciting "Mary had a little lamb" in, in cutesy voices. It's so silly. And then literally, like, Daffy's blown up into the air by the drink, coming back down with a parachute next to Canasta going, I hate you. <laughs> Another one that was great for the early 50s with Daffy. Uh, <laughs> so this eventually dissolves to a showdown in front of the town square, and the fade-in to the shot of Daffy walking away from the camera is fantastic. Most of these showdown shots of just other angles, which are a bit exaggerated because of, like, this is a trope used in a lot of Westerns at the time. But they're reminiscent of High Noon, which, again, hadn't come out yet. But these shots make it look so dramatic, and it's such a... a, You can tell that Chuck Jones and all the animators love Westerns and love to send them up as well as be respectful of them. And this is just such a cool sequence in terms of animation, in terms of how it looks... The angles, it just looks great. And this is where Porky has a little toy soldier that marches into Nasty Canasta and blows it and literally shoots him in the face with a lot of gunpowder. So Yes, I, I, I love Daffy's line because Porky, he's being heralded as the hero. Yes. And, and he just says, put down that comedy relief. Exactly. <laughs> He is so uh, stuck in the ways of how Western should be that the hero should be the hero and not the comedy relief. And he's dumbfounded that it's Porky and not him who saves the day. And it leads to a great ending where Porky is made the sheriff and he makes Daffy, you know, the street cleaner, the pooper scooper. Going And then Daffy goes, you know, I, I told you I'd clean up this one-horse town. And Porky winks and goes, lucky for him, it is a one-horse town. A sly, dirty poop joke to take us out. Yeah. So, <sighs> yeah. I like this one a lot. Um, I think it's a great Daffy and Porky cartoon. One of the, you know, one of the many of the 1950s. I think it's great at aping the westerns, especially all of the tropes in the westerns. There's great animation, a lot of really good angles and shots and animated bits and the way people move. I love how confident Daffy was compared to his abilities. I love how they animated Nasty Canasta. I loved so much of this and just the structure of it, and it just really impressed me. It's, 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 not, it's not a perfect one for me, but it's still really good, and it's still a really good Daffy cartoon from this era. I... I agree on almost everything you said. Um, I personally had no qualms with this cartoon. Oh. I, it has great pacing. and never mm-hmm. leaves you hanging. Yeah. Um, and each joke hits, you know? Like, yeah. like, like, as soon as you're done with one joke, it goes to the next one, and it's just as good as the last one, if not better. Yeah. So that means you're giving this a five, right? 
Yes, I am. Yes, I'm okay. I, for the second one in a row, you're you're giving it a bit more than I am. I'm only giving it a four point five, but I still love this. That's one. fair. That's fair. I I'm just not ready to call it a perfect all around classic because there's some minor moments throughout. But I love this one. Uh, it it should be talked about as much as it has been. Uh, there's a reason why <laughs> why subsequent uh, Warner Brothers projects love bringing back Nasty Canasta. And it's like, like, I think that there's an episode of Duck Dodgers where they go to like a Western planet and Nasty Canasta is the villain of it. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nasty Canasta is in that. Nasty Canasta is in a fist brawl with Brendan Fraser in Back Yes, in he action. is. <laughs> yeah, in, in Vegas, right? Yes, in Vegas. There's, yeah. there's a Nasty Canasta, Brendan Fraser fight, and it's in a casino. That's yeah. owned by 70 Sam, and his face is all over the casino. It's a wild time. Oh, yeah. I, it, again, back in action is fun. Yeah. It, it may not be as good as it could have been, but it's fun. Um, it's fun. But, yeah, no, I, I have no doubt in my mind that Dribble on Daffy is a classic. I just, yeah, I, I, I minor thing for me. <laughs> That's fine. All right. All right. I think, I think this next one is one we will agree on, though. Yes, I think so. All right, let's uh, trottle on to the sunset with our final cartoon, which is Bugs Bunny Rides Again. Oh, yeah. Was released on June 12th, 1948. And in terms of what happened on that day, uh, two things, actually. Um, two kind of good people here. Uh, first of all, uh, Jordan, are you aware of Atlanta Rhythm Section? Vaguely. Well, Barry Bailey, who is a member of that section, was born on this day. Oh, good but I think the more the more pop culture savvy one is um Len Wine. Okay. Was also born on this day. He is one of the co-creators of Swamp Thing, as well oh, yeah. as X-Men's Wolverine. Yeah, he was uh, one of the, the, the writers at um, at Marvel Comics in the early 70s and was a jack-of-all-trades in there. And yeah, no, I, I think that's pretty cool. So this was directed by Frizz Freeling, written by Ted Pierce and Michael Maltese, right. which that's a damn good combination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that explains a lot about this cartoon, which I will get more into it. So in terms of any um, interesting notes here, uh, this was Bugs Bunny and Joseph and Sam's second cartoon together. Yes, it was. Which is amazing, considering where this cartoon goes. And something that I found rather fascinating, when Yosemite Sam is walking into the uh, bar for the first time, and he's introducing himself, you know, he's topping himself up. And he says that he's no uh, Mandy Pandy. Yeah. It turns out that's that's a dub line. Yeah, it's it's very which, clearly a dub line. Yeah, that, that was a dub line because originally he said that he's no uh, Mahandi Gandhi. Yeah, and that didn't age well. And not at all because shortly after the film's release, uh, the short's release... Gandhi got assassinated. He got capped. (laughs) What? You're going to get so many people. You're going to get so many letters. Yes, folks, Gandhi got capped. Sure, because that's what he would have wanted. No, no. Remember me by saying that I got capped. Make good, fellow me. Um. Now go home and get your fucking prayer box. <laughs> as far <laughs> as, as far back as I far could back remember. as I could remember, I always wanted to be a liberator. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I was gonna go as far back as I as I remember. I've always wanted to kill God. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're going to get murdered for this. Uh, I'm purposely not doing a racist accent. No. Uh, Because they could dig this up in about 10 years and I could get canceled. 
assassinated so very shortly after the short's release i think it was in the middle of production yeah no i think when the short got transferred to aap i think they, they redubbed it because well, i think from what i'm hearing from what i from from the research that i did mark i think that while they were still in production the assassination happened and blank had to be rushed back into the studio and redub it before release I think it was it was after release because there is audio of 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 the Gandhi line. All right, then maybe it is. All right, around the time the short distribution rights were sold to AAP, Gandhi was killed. So oh, the last okay. part of the line was changed. Okay. So it was after production. Okay, got it. Yeah. Okay, fine. All right. So yeah, okay. Anyways. So that's that's the big trivia thing. <sighs> Okay. And now we get into it. <laughs> now we can finally get into the fucking thing. Yes, alright. So, we fade in to a typical old western frontier town. And it has a self-contradictory name of Rising Gorge. <laughs> and there's bullets coming from everywhere. There's a stop sign gag. Another one that bullets... Mel Brooks is going to get sued over. Now, which, okay, now, which stoplight gag to you is funnier? If it's stopping two people shooting at each other, the bullets themselves, or what Mel uh, Brooks did in Blaine's house. Oh, God. Uh, I don't want to have to pick favorites because I love all of them. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say something by Mel Brooks isn't as funny as something from the Warner Brothers because I love both of them equally. And Brooks was probably, probably inspired by, by the Warner Brothers. Oh, so. Definitely. Like, yes, the, the candy gram for Margo bit is definitely a bug bunny. <laughs> it is. It's a bug bunny. Yes. Candy gram for Margo. Oh, Margo. Oh, People are getting shot up. They have some gags here. People just you know, getting shot off of, you know, of rooftops and whatnot. And then we cut to a bar. Yes. It's the um, it's like the rusty snail or something. Or the snail. rusty come slug in, saloon. Uh, come on yes. in and get and have a slug or something like that, or get slugged. Yeah. And yeah. I like the gag of the first, the, even the first throwaway gag in the saloon of the, the two guys at the bar, and one shoots the other and just finishes his his drink. That's that's already a great gag. And then yeah. right after that, we get the immortal gag of Yosemite Sam fitting right under the saloon doors. <laughs> I love that. Yes. And here's the and, and right there is the I ain't no mampy pamby line that doesn't match the lips. And of course, everyone's like, "Oh, Yosemite Sam!" Like they don't really know who he is. Yep. Is it? It's only his second appearance, and they've already established it very well. He looks completely you know, like Yosemite Sam. And yeah, Mel's voice is him. there. Yep. <laughs> So it fits. And this is where he, he basically tells all the skunks in the bar to clear out. And the one actual skunk following them going, my, there were a lot, weren't there a lot of skunks in there? Is almost a clampet gag. Yeah, just about. And there's a nice little gag here of a guy trying to escape and then Sam shoots yeah. him a bunch to the point where it turns into a shooter's game. That's great, yeah. And then... The hero arrives, you know, because Sam, of course, has to ask in these, you know, anybody uh, be brave enough to, to take on Yosemite Sam? Well, be there. And then, you know, you've got these Bugs Bunny curling, um, you know, putting to, putting tobacco in papers. And yes. Which, which uh, I love how, not to be all, uh, I'll miss a Reverend Lovejoy about it, but this cartoon teaches kids how to roll cigarettes. I love <laughs> the late 40s. Sometimes. Nice. When they're not being racist, I love the late 40s. <laughs> yeah, of course. 
Um, but this sequence of Bugs and Sam walking towards each other in Spurs is obviously a classic. Because, you know, you just you cut back and forth to them walking towards each other. And, you know, Bugs looks at the camera and goes, eh, just like Gary Cooper, huh? And this was before High Noon. I will stress that again. And then right when both of them draw, instead of Bugs drawing a gun, he literally just pulls out a carrot and goes, what's up, Doc? That may be one of my favorite what's up, Docs in the history of the Bugs Money cartoons. Yeah, again, Sam's going like, what's up, Doc? <laughs> again. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I love so, how Sam's the only person in Legion's Lord to be like, why the hell is he saying what's up, Doc? What's up with that? That's weird. Because <laughs> Elmer doesn't question it. Pete the Puma doesn't question it. Mom the Martian doesn't question it. Yeah, Sam's no. like, <laughs> And so from here on, pretty much every gag in the cartoon is going to hit. Not yep. just hit, slay. Like, yeah. right up here, we get the This Town Ain't Big Enough for the Two of Us gag, which is probably the best version of this gag in pop culture history. I mean, because it's been done to death. Everybody knows This Town is Big Enough for the Two of Us is the big, either it's a big Western gag, it's also a wonderful song by Sparks. This town ain't big enough for the both of us. You, you get to decide whether or not you want to put some of that in there. Oh, well, I, I told you. This show, this show will not rest until every single artist we love is needle dropping this. Exactly. <laughs> so we got in there. We've done yes. We've done Peter Gabriel. We've we've, we've done all, we've done Neil Diamond uh, <laughs> tonight. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So just this gag of like uh, Bugs, like oh, it's not, and he goes. <laughs> And you just hear construction. He adds a couple buildings. <laughs> he just builds a city. That's he great. He builds a city. <laughs> oh, man. That's a great gag in itself. It is. And then you go on to the gradually rising shooters gag, which is a variation on one from Hair Trigger, I believe. But, you know, because obviously, you know, you know, Bugs pulls out a six shooter. Uh, you know, Sam has a, like, Bugs has a seven shooter. Sam has an eight shooter, a nine shooter, whatever. And then Bugs finally one-ups him with a pea shooter and just slaps him on the nose. <laughs> That's great. All yeah. of these are great. The next one is, oh my God. The next one is Dance, you wise guy. This next gag has been, has been burned into It's been my burned brain. in every Looney fan's brain. Dude. I remember, no joke, I was at your house once, and we just watched this cartoon on a whim, and I remember it. That's how oh much my God, yeah. I remember this I would I would put this cartoon on as well. That, that does sound like something I would do. Um, but this whole sequence of Sam shooting at Bugs and making him dance and him going into a full soft shoe routine... So many nonverbal gags in this in this minute-long sequence of Bugs trying to escape, him doing like full-on crowd-pleasing, and then take it, Sam. Sam is so caught up in it that he realizes he needs to dance now and does a perfectly admiral soft shoe dance, taking off his hat, being modest and humble. And then dancing right into a mind shaft. <laughs> the, the best part about this mind shaft ending is that there is a long crash. I think there's maybe a seven-second crash. It's drawn out. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just you, you just see the little pa like pail of of mind stuff come up, and Sam just sort of wriggles out of it, shaking. <laughs> Everything in this cartoon makes me laugh my ass off. I, I, I oh I'm God, trying to be yeah. professional. But oh my yeah, so god! Then, and then, then, and then, um, bugs. You know, and then Sam goes right to bugs, like, "Oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna blow you up or something." And, it's, and then bugs is, is like, "Oh no, you're like, like, oh no, you're not." And then this is me. I I swear, I I never noticed this before. Bugs pushes the gun away. Oh my god! I noticed Sam. this. I noticed this this as well. Right, like he pushes the, the gun towards Sam, and Sam was like, he he knows it, and he just turns and he puts the guns back on. He Bugs. realizes and he's I, pointed the gun at himself, and then just like <laughs> while Bugs is talking, points it back at Bugs. I had never yes, noticed yes. that before this, but I laughed so Did hard. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> so good. And then we get this, the, the I dare you to step across this line bit, which has been yes. in a bunch of Bugs Bunny cartoons, even high diving hair, and it works. 
you know, he does he does the whole line bit, even getting Sam to dump off the clip. And honestly, the ending of that, where uh, there's a two part ending of this, where it's Bugs getting a mattress under the cliff and saying, you know, sometimes me conscious kind of bothers me, but not this time. Not this time. That's great. And then Sam slamming on the ground and then going and shooting while being like crushed to like a foot tall and just like crushed under his hat and shooting at Bugs. That's great. Yes. Every single beat of this cartoon makes me laugh, I think. And and then we get the chase. We Set get, to William um, Tell. Yes, no bugs, runs, runs, kind of rock, and he has a horse. And then, of course, Sam walks back and has a smaller horse. Has like a, a Shetland pony. pony. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus and, Christ. And I just love um, the camera perspective on both on Bugs and uh, little Sam when they're going through the tunnel. Because uh, Bugs goes into the tunnel... And gets there first, and Sam's, and, and then he's he comes back and he's building a brick wall in front of the tunnel, and Sam is just also going to the tunnel, and it gets darker and darker, and then there's like a three second Bam. silhouette of Sam and the horse both being um, splashed onto the wall, <laughs> and it's just a, a, a love, it's, it's just a lovely photo because it, it, it's just. I mean, it, it really, it really is um, kind of like a like a, a painting you would show um, to drink yeah. therapy. You know, the, the, those uh, block uh, drawings. Yeah. yeah. What do you see here? I see a small man in defeat. Okay. <laughs> uh, next. <laughs> a small man and the feet. Um. Yes. Oh my god! And this leads to the the playing card sequence. Which is a different, more calculated gag. Because the rest of these are very, like, quick, big. This one is a bit more... It, it doesn't show its hand immediately, no pun intended. Like, yes, cut the cards is funny. But the rest is more drawn out. Although I do love Sam going, I'm a-thinking, and my head hurts. It's <laughs> great. Yes, and then Bugs just, you know, he, um, he's like, okay, pick your card. And then Bugs just walks behind Sam to tell him, like, oh, no, 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 don't pick that card. Yeah, that card, that card. And, of course, that's the card that gives Bugs the game. Yeah, <laughs> of course. And then that leads us to the ending, where Bugs is like, okay, now you have to leave town. It's great. It packs up his bags for him and begins to sort of march Sam towards the train. And then we get this struggle of Bugs and Sam trying to block each other, like, trying to, to, like, Bugs is trying to throw Sam on the train, Sam trying to block himself from getting on the train, trying to throw Bugs on the train. And then they realize that the train is full of, of girls, and then they're trying to fight each other to see who gets to stay on the train. <laughs> and then it ends up that Bugs leaves town because he gets all the women... <laughs> so long, Sammy. See you in Miami. Oh my! That's even the ending is great. Oh my yeah. god! The whole time he's trying to drive Sam out of town, and he ends up driving himself out of town because that's where all the girls are. <laughs> and you know I can relate. <laughs> who wouldn't do that? Oh, I can't think of a single person who wouldn't do that. Okay. Um, so, Mark, is there anything you don't like about this cartoon? Everything I loved about it as a kid, I still love. So, no. <laughs> Same. Every single gag in this cartoon works. There is not a single miss. Everything hits. And it just keeps hitting. And keeps making you laugh. And every time you think, okay, that's the last classic bit in this cartoon, another one comes along. The this town isn't big enough for the two of us bit. The the step across this line bit. The ending with the girls. The immortal dancing bit. All of it is as funny as you remember it, as I remember it, as Mark remembers it. And it yeah. is so joyful to get to watch even now. Folks, it is that funny. I know I've talked in the past about absolutely perfect, immaculate cartoons like Rabbit Seasoning or What's Opera Doc. This one might be up there with them. I don't think there's a single thing wrong with this cartoon. I think it's absolutely perfect and one of the best freeling ones of that era. And 
I hope that everybody else shares his opinion because it's a classic. Yeah, I mean, you have Ted Pierce and Michael Maltese on this. Combining their efforts combined, to create gold. Their efforts. They're, they're already good by themselves. You just put them together. Like, oh, yeah, like, man. what do you expect? Of course it's going to be really, really good because you have two talented writers at the helm. It's, it's that good, folks. It is that yeah. good. I don't think totally. there's any question I'm giving this a 5 out of 5. Absolutely. Yes, yep. I'm also giving this a 5 out of 5 animals. It, is it just, deserves it. It does. It it's really does. immaculate. This is stuff that you should teach people in wanting to get into, like, gag writing for cartoons. Because all of these are just pristine. Isn't this such a better time? Than oh my god, this was so much more has- enjoyable. Than just oh talking god. about Fantastic Island and just shitting on that whole, the whole time. Oh my god. Uh, Which, again, that, that really defeats the, yes, sometimes it is fun to be negative on things, to dogpile on something, but it is way more fun, way more entertaining to have something you love. Absolutely. Oh, Every yes. time. Every and I'm glad we get to our own song. I'm glad you, the, usually after the movie episodes, you schedule these episodes where we get to talk about three ones that we're really fond of. Like you scheduled the the, the rabbit trilogy, rabbit duck fire trilogy, after a okay, movie episode. You scheduled the uh, the musical episodes after a movie episode, and this is this is a perfect palate cleanser. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <sighs> so let's see what other people had to think about these three shorts. Yes, hopefully similar thoughts. We have a controversial opinion from uh, at DMG Daffy, David Germain. Uh, he says that Buckaroo Bugs is not the first Yosemite Sam cartoon. Fight me. Um, I mean, you're right. The first Yosemite Sam cartoon is technically Hair Trigger. But Buckaroo Bugs is considered by many to be the first Yosemite Sam cartoon because of Red Hot Riders' sort of resemblance to Yosemite Sam I think it's a completely different character, though. I think it's, you know, because it's Red Hot Riot is more of the sort of a yup, a yup type, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I I don't, I'm with you, David. I think this is not the first Yosemite Sam cartoon because this is not Yosemite Sam. This is uh, an early prototype character that may eventually have parts of him become Yosemite Sam, but it's, it's not Yosemite Sam. Yeah, if, if you were to see a, an evolution board of Yosemite Sam, Red Hot Rider would probably be at the beginning of the timeline, and then it'd be a morph into Yosemite Sam. Yeah. So, yeah. But if we did episode, if we did episodes all about prototypes, we would be here all day. Oh yeah. So we'd have to do Porky's Hair Hunt as well. You know. Oh God, yeah. But you know, like Presto Hero and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. But, an egghead. Um, yeah, with Daffy Duck and Egghead, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you, David. So thank you for chiming in for that one. I hope you enjoy uh, our coverage of um, the Not Yosemite Sam cartoon, um, Buckaroo Bugs. Okay. Okay. So, for next week's show, we're going, we're going to do another character-focused one. Um, Good. We did Foghorn. This is another character that, um, again, is important, but we didn't find to be that essential to the uh, main core crew. And that would be Pepe Le Pew. Oh, yes. The iron is hot. Which this is going to go out like two months after the controversy. Oh, my but God. Sure. Let's talk about Pepe Le Pew. Let's talk. Yes. Um... <laughs> We'll get more into that uh, in a few show, but yes, as of recordings now, there is some sort of thing about Pepe Le Pew that people are going crazy over. But we're going to be looking at three Pepe Le Pew cartoons. Uh, we're going to be looking older, Hubble Kitty. Okay, that's that's the, one of his first ones, right? That that's the one where yeah. that's the one where it's 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 not even Pepe Le Pew yet. Okay, yeah, right. Uh, for sentimental reasons. Yes! Yes. And Ascent of the Matterhorn. Right. That's a title that Chuck Jones were, was particularly proud of. <laughs> yep. That's... It's literally one that I picked 
out of the hat. There's no like big thing. Yeah, I, I, I remember the title, I think, so I just threw it in. Yeah. Really? Okay. All right, good. So, yeah. So, we're going to talk about Pebble Pew and Paris and uh, consent. <laughs> That'd be a lot of fun. Hopefully. I don't know. Yes, folks, consent is very important and not a laughing matter, especially if it's a cartoon about a skunk. Yes. Oh, boy. All right. So that is the end of our show. If you'd like to keep up with us on Twitter, you can follow me at Mark Halem, 1995. And you can follow me at Tall Guy Schmidt. If you'd like to keep up with the podcast or give your thoughts for next week's episode, you can follow at that underscore loony or type in the podcast title. You know, the first result. You can also find us on any of your podcasting capabilities um wholesalers that includes your apple podcasts your google podcasts your spotify podcasts player fm anchor wherever you go there we are all right so as we ride off into the sunset i'm mark and i'm jordan and since we started with sergio leone we'll end with martin scorsese go home and get your fucking shine box